Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome into the GC Live Afternoon Drive. I am Mike Yuvin. The Gamecocks are gearing up to head to Knoxville to take on Tennessee this weekend after having their first SEC win of the year this past weekend against Mississippi State. As we do every Thursday, we will get into the keys of the game. We'll also be joined by a guest today. We have on threes, J.D. Bakel. He'll be joining us a little bit later on in the program around that 240 mark. So we'll hear his thoughts as he gets ready to also head to Knoxville this weekend to watch South Carolina take on the Vols. Uh, obviously, in a game like this, there's so many different storylines, right? It goes back to last season with what USC was able to do to Tennessee in their home finale, just the absolute shellacking of the Vols. And obviously, as we know, that game played a big reason why Tennessee didn't make it to the college football playoff last year. As much as that game last year is, it lingers into this season, the reality is it's not going to do any good for South Carolina, right? Last season's last season. Now, does Tennessee, do they look at that game? Do, do they use it as motivation a little bit? I'm sure. Josh Heupel talked about it. I think it was either on Tuesday or Wednesday or at the beginning of the week. And he shared that that's a game that the players – the balls that is, they can't worry about. They can't be thinking about. They can't get down on what took place last season. But I certainly believe they're going to use that as some type of motivation this weekend as they get ready to take on the Gamecocks. Now, having said all that, as we typically do every week, we get into our keys of the game. And I think this week, I think this week more than anything, when you look at our first key for South Carolina, I start with the running game because when you think back to that Tennessee game and a lot of people, what they often forget about that game, South Carolina had a lot of success in the ground that night as well. They had a lot of success. They think just the, okay, Spencer Rattler, he threw for six touchdown passes that night. Yes, he did. He did program record, six touchdown passes at that, but the Gamecocks were also able to run the football extremely well against the volunteers. In fact, when you look at the stats that night, South Carolina rushed for over 150 yards. 150 yards. Uh, Jaheim Bell, of course, he's not on the Gamecocks anymore, but he had 82 yards rushing as he made the move over to running back that night. And the Gamecocks were able to have that success in the rushing attack. And then, of course, Rattler, he was able to do what he's been doing in those last seven games. Really, that was the beginning point of it all and what he's been able to do into this season. He was 30 of 37, 438 yards passing, and six touchdowns. Kerry and Joyner also threw a pass that night. He was one for one. But I bring that up because when you look at what South Carolina has been able to do in the last seven games, the success that they've been able to have in the rushing attack when they are able to run the football, they're 3-0 and in those last seven games when they run the ball for 100 yards or more. So that first key is they need to be able to hit that 100-yard rushing mark. They have to be able to run the football well this weekend. Now, as we saw last week against Mississippi State, Mario Anderson got some more touches. He was actually on the field for 47 snaps. 
mixed in there with carry on Joiner. Did some good things in the blocking game as well. And DK did some good things too, rushing the football. I don't want that to be overlooked. I know some people are going to be quick to look at, okay, yeah, the fumble. But DK is still bringing you something that you need in that running back room. He's very good when it comes to pass blocking. He's probably your best running back when it comes to pass protection, even though Mario certainly showed some good things the other night. But on top of that, DK is also someone that can give you a little bit of a spark when it comes to the passing game. Because obviously with his background of being a wide receiver for a couple of seasons, he's able to see things that I don't think Mario or the other running backs, unfortunately, at this point, especially because they just don't have the experience compared to, to carry on that he sees in the passing game. So that's why even going back to what Shane Beamer was saying on Tuesday, I expect DK to still have a big, big role in that running back room. But I expect Mario to continue to see more and more touches, rightfully so. But South Carolina rushes for 144 yards last game. In week two against Furman, they rushed for over 100 yards. That Tennessee game that I mentioned from a year ago, they rushed for over 100 yards. Are you seeing this pattern? Right? It's not just the fact that Rattler is going out there and throwing the football all over the yard and just like the other night, 18 of 20, 90% completion percentage, second time he's done that this season. It's the fact that when South Carolina is able to establish the run and they're able to get the run game going, you're going to bring down a linebacker. You're going to bring a safety down to the box. You're going to bring some extra guys down into the box, and it's going to create some more passing lanes for Rattler. It's going to make things a little bit easier for him. And when you already have the talent, the vision, the ability to do what he's been doing, on top of the fact that you have the best wide receiver in the country right now, in receiving yards and Xavier will get, it's going to make things a hell of a lot easier because then it becomes pick your poison. And I think with South Carolina right now, is Tennessee going to respect them enough to bring a guy down in the box early on? Uh, Mississippi State, of course, South Carolina was backed into their own end zone to start the game of the first two series. They went 98 yards in the next drive. They go 99 yards. So Mississippi State, they brought a little bit more pressure early on. But as the game went on, it wasn't until, I'd say, in the second half, really. I mean, there were times in the first half, too, late in the first half, that Mississippi State started to bring an extra guy down to the box. But it wasn't until then that the Bulldogs really started to say, hey, we got to respect South Carolina's rushing attack. And when they did that, what happened? Rattler was able to go out there and throw the ball all over the yard, and he just looked phenomenal. And that's why we got what we saw the other night with Rattler. So, again... Being able to run the football, it not only slows things down in terms of the pass rush, right? It slows those defenders down a little bit. It's going to also open up those passing lanes. And that's what you need for Rattler this weekend as they take on Tennessee. Uh, number two, and then I'll get into some of your thoughts on this game because there's some of them that are already coming in here. Communication. I could sit up here and say, all right, hey, you got to keep Rattler upright. Hey, you know, give Rattler some time. Let him throw the football. That goes without saying. But in a game like this, your second SEC road game of the season, that place is going to be a madhouse. Unless South Carolina can get up on Tennessee early, that place is going to be going absolutely bananas. So the communication part of it is going to be huge on the offensive line. You have two true freshmen out there that have been seeing a lot of time. You have one that's been starting going back to the Georgia game in uh, Aluatos and Babalade. The communication has got better but it needs to continue to improve. There's still areas that it can improve in. I was mentioning this the other night, but when you go back and you look at that Tennessee game, they did a couple different blitz packages. Excuse me, not Tennessee. 
Mississippi State, but I think Tennessee will mimic. Mississippi State did a couple of different blitz packages. They had different stunts. They had different twists up front. But what they also did, too, they were sending sometimes five, sometimes six guys. And what would happen is, and we had a similar play in college, and a lot of colleges do this. Actually, South Carolina has something similar. And you're sending five or six guys, and what happens is, all guys are going, but when they get picked up by a defensive, excuse me, when they when they get picked up by an offensive lineman, the defensive lineman drops back. Could be a linebacker sometimes too. He's kind of getting tagged off, so he's going, and then as soon as he gets picked up, he's dropping back into coverage. So you truly don't know, even as a defensive coordinator, who that guy's going to be dropping back into coverage. So if the defense doesn't truly know, as you can imagine, the offense doesn't truly know always. So the communication part has to be there, right? Whether it be stuff like that, uh, as we saw against Mississippi State, or the twists and stunts that we saw a lot of, and even just the pre-snap movements from the defensive line, the shifts up front by Georgia, I think you're going to see some of that. And when you're in a stadium like you're going to be in on Saturday against Tennessee, that place is going to be loud. The communication has to be there. It has to be there because if not, it's going to be a lookout cookout. You know, Rattler is going to be running around like he was week one against North Carolina. I'm not saying that will be the case, but you have to do everything in your power to make sure it doesn't get to that point. And that obviously starts up front. Uh, moving on from uh, our second key to our third key, then we'll get into some of the questions and comments. As we continue to roll around here, and again, J.D. Pakel of On3 will be joining us in about 20 minutes or so. Uh, number three, stop the run. It's real easy after what we saw this last week to say, man, the secondary has to play better. When you go back and watch the tape, it was bad because when you're in the secondary, if you screw up, everyone is going to be able to see it. I mean, you don't even have to be uh, a true football fan. You could be a pink hat fan. When I say a pink hat fan, that's just someone that throws on a South Carolina hat that's pink. They don't even know what the hell's going on out there, but they know that, okay, something bad's going on. All right, that guy just got toasted. That happened about five or six times. And when you have that happen five or six times as badly as it did the other night, it makes things look a hell of a lot worse than what it really was. And that's not to say, I'm not trying to sit here and tell you like things were great the other night because they certainly weren't. What I'm trying to get at is, is that USC did a lot of good things up front. Nine tackles for a loss. We talked about this heading into last game. USC ranked second to last in the country in tackles for a loss heading into that Mississippi State game. They only had 10 through the first three games. That was tied with BC, and that was only better than Georgia Tech, who had seven through their first three games. So you had nine the other night. Of those nine, you had four sacks in there. Because of that, they were able to force Mississippi State to throw the football. They were bringing down a safety in the box, kind of like we were talking about before, the flip side of it with what you're hoping that Tennessee does to be able to give Rattler those passing lanes. They brought down some help from the secondary. They brought down an extra linebacker, kept him in the box. And because of that, they eliminated Mississippi State from really being able to get the run game going. They held the Bulldogs at just 32 yards. That's great. And that's what you need to do again this weekend. If you do that, though, you have to be able to make your plays in the secondary. You have to win your one-on-ones. And that's what it came down to more than anything. You go back and watch the tape. A lot of it was angles. A lot of it was poor eye placement and not being able to finish the play. If the defensive line plays the way that they did last weekend, South Carolina should be able to win this game. South Carolina should be able to win this game if the secondary do, does their job. 
The other night, it wasn't consistent enough. And again, I said five to six plays. In the grand scheme of things, that doesn't seem like it's that many plays because it's really not when you're out there for about 70 or whatever the case it was the other night, high 60s. But the problem is when they were as bad as they were the other night, no one's going to look at the glass half half full. So you need to be able to clean those things up because Tennessee, they're a team that is balanced. That's the crazy part about it. They're a balanced team. Joe Miltz and Spencer Rattler, believe it or not, they've both thrown the same amount of passes this season, 128. However, the Vols have had a lot of success on the ground, a lot of success on the ground. They're actually ranked eighth in the country in rushing yards, just under 230 yards rushing per game. So you need to do what you can to force Tennessee to throw the football on you. You have to try to find a way to make this team one-dimensional. And if they do throw it on you, it can't be just like the other night where it's like, great, Mississippi State's throwing on us. That's great. Now you got to do something with it. Because if you keep getting burned in the secondary, if your eye placement's poor, if you're taking bad angles, if you're not finishing the play in the secondary, despite the fact that your defensive line is putting pressure on the quarterback, is getting to the quarterback and creating TFLs and sacks, like I said, you got friggin' nine the other night. You almost they almost were able to match what they had through the first three games of the season. If you're not taking care of your end, right, the old saying, do your 111th, then that stuff's not going to matter. It's not. So that's where South Carolina certainly needs to clean things up on Saturday. Let's go to some of the comments here. We got Craig coming in. Appreciate Craig always tuning in. Justin, Dirk the Goat says, feeling pretty Cautionally optimistic. Joe Milton ain't ready for prime time. And I know there's another comment here about Milton having an injury. And even if he is able to go, even if Joe Milton's able to go, how much of that injury has an impact on what he's able to do? You know, we're talking about it before, about making Tennessee one-dimensional. I think back to... Last season's game against Kentucky, right? Kentucky's down. They don't have their starting quarterback. They were a team that really struggled, though, unlike Tennessee. I wouldn't put them in the same category with their offensive line. But Kentucky really struggled to be able to protect their quarterback. And you knew in that game, being down their starting quarterback, that they were going to try to run the football. Well, what do the Gamecocks do? The Gamecocks did a tremendous job of being able to slow things down a little bit. So I say that because even if Joe Milton is 100%, I mean, isn't 100%, and South Carolina is able to force Tennessee to throw the football a little bit more, he might not be the Joe Milton that people have come to know him to be. And I'm not saying he's anything crazy in terms of like, all right, he's the next coming. But if you're able to, slow down this rushing attack it's really going to open some things up for what South Carolina can do from a defensive standpoint but again it comes down to what are they able to do in their secondary Craig says I don't want to see Nico is apparently better by a good bit and don't know why he isn't playing cocky Joe says Juju in space Mario in short yardage and DK on the goal line equals success I wonder if we will see more Juju this weekend because we haven't seen Juju the last couple of weeks. We haven't. Wasn't out there last week. 
at running back. The week before that, didn't see him against Georgia. Did some special teams. We haven't seen him at running back since the Furman game. And in the Furman game, he had six carries for 15 yards. You know, on the season in, in total for Juju, he has 11 carries for 14 yards. Rushed five times for minus one against North Carolina week one. And then week two, six carries for 15 yards. Also had three receptions, though, against North Carolina. And as we all know, with that week one performance, South Carolina, more than anything, they had to find a way to get the passing game going because their run game wasn't going to be able to do anything because up front, I mean, it was just, it was a mess. And we all know that already. But again, like I said, if you look at the progression as far as what we've seen with Mario Anderson, he's seen more snaps. He certainly saw more carries last week. I think he had more carries last week than he has had all season combined. Where does Juju factor in? Because, again, I know some people want to start writing off DK. I, I don't think you do that right now. I think there's still a lot of good things that DK brings to the table. And the other thing, too, is God forbid, God forbid South Carolina is struggling up front. God forbid they struggle with their offensive line. Because I don't think anything can be taken for granted. Certainly not when you're talking about South Carolina going on the road in SEC play. They've struggled. They've struggled a lot under Beamer. And I know this goes back even before Beamer was here. You know, you look at it with, with Shane Beamer since he's been here, because I don't want to go back. I mean, again, it, it's it was bad still, too, during the Muschamp era. But if you look at South Carolina just in the last, this is, you know, at least one game this season, but last two years plus the Georgia game, they're 3-7 and seven on the road in SEC play. Two of those wins were against Vandy. The other was against Kentucky last year. So even though they were able to create some momentum this weekend, and even though I don't think Tennessee is as battle-tested outside of playing Florida in week three in comparison to what the South, Car what South Carolina has faced so far, I just don't know what team we're going to get out of USC this weekend. Is this the USC team that has made progress in what they did in the first half against Georgia? Or is this a team that's not going to be able to carry that over? Just because in recent memory, recent history is against them. And that's obviously one of the narratives that they're trying to change. That anytime they take one step forward, they take two steps back. They have a golden opportunity this weekend. A golden opportunity. Never mind the fact that you're going on the road, you're playing a top 25 team, that's also in your division, by the way. But you have an opportunity to get to three and two, head into the bye week, try to get as healthy as you can, because obviously, as we know, this team's been banged up multiple positions. And then you're able to get out of that, come back home, play Florida. You have two tough road games, and I say tough because I don't care who they're playing. When you have to go the furthest that you have to go in SEC play, you have to go to Missouri. You got to go to AM back to back weeks. It's not easy. 
It's not easy. So to be able to get to three and two would be massive for this program for multiple reasons. Craig brings up 14 and one under Beamer when they rush for 100 yards. Mike Anderson, can you imagine this offensive juice was healthy? Oh, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. I will say this about juice, because for whatever reason, I think some people are a little confused. And there's another comment about juice and need juice to get well. Whether we see juice come back this season or not, he still has another year of eligibility. 2019, he went to a prep school. 2020, that's the COVID season. So 2021, 2022, and then 2023. He would still have one more year of eligibility left, regardless if, and I'll throw this out there. I'm not saying that will happen if he takes a medical redshirt this year. Whether he takes a medical redshirt year or not, he still has another year of eligibility left after this season. So I just want to point that out there that there is a possibility that Juice could come back next season. Obviously, the short sample size that he's giving us this season, and then obviously in one year at South Carolina the previous season, I think some people would look at that and say, all right, he has enough tape. You know, can he get a combine invite and be able to impress? He could. But I also think, too, there's a difference between if Juice had a full season this year in comparison to if Juice only has X amount of games, right? Or I should say a full season next year. If you were to come back in comparison to only having, I'm making this up, six games this season. So I, I don't think you can rule anything out. It stinks that Xavier Leggett is playing on the level that he's playing, and obviously that goes hand-in-hand hand with the way that Spencer Rattler is playing. It stinks that you don't see Juice out there with him. But I also think, too, that even if Juice does come back this season, it is a real possibility that he could be back next year. Rio Anderson says they better. If they don't, Anderson will have a 100-plus uh, yard game. Yeah, look, again – and this is going back to the comment I think that you were, that I shared a little bit earlier as I go back and go through everyone's messages now. Tennessee better respect, and I think that's what you're talking about, Rio, that Tennessee better respect South Carolina's run game because if they don't, I think they're going to go out there, they're going to try to run the football um, and have hopefully some more success with that. Now, I know there's probably some people after what we saw from the other night against Mississippi State, they were probably saying, okay, I felt like South Carolina was really trying to force the run at times. And maybe they could have took some more shots in the passing game downfield. I think one of the reasons why is South Carolina had the mindset that they were going to go out there and they wanted to run the football. They wanted to send a message, not just to Mississippi State, but they wanted to have some more tape out there for teams like Tennessee, more importantly, because, again, you go ahead into the bye week before you play Florida, to send a message to them saying, hey, look, yeah, we've been having success throwing the football. We're ranked eighth in the country when it comes to passing yards per game. But now we're starting to have some success running the football. And the other night, like I said, South Carolina, 144 yards rushing. What they did against Furman, I don't think it's going to really scare as many teams, despite the fact, despite the fact that Furman is a very good FCS team. It sends a totally different message when you're able to do it against another SEC team like they did against Mississippi State the other night. So now you have that out on tape. 
And Tennessee has to prepare for, again, one of the best passing attacks in the country. Rattler's playing on a whole different level. Xavier Leggett, as we mentioned, he leads the country in receiving yards with over 550. It's pick your poison. Because, again, if they bring an extra guy down the box, whether it be a safety, whether it be a linebacker, that's going to free up the passing game. You want to double Xavier at that point, then there's going to be a lot of one-on-one opportunities on the backside. Whether that be a guy like Trey Knox, who started to get into the passing game a little bit more last week, especially in the red zone. Marion Brown, he should be back this week. Guys like Eddie Lewis. I mean, we can keep going down the list. The guys that could be making an impact, uh, Nicholas Harbor. I know we didn't see any action in terms of passes coming his way last week, but he's starting to see a little bit more snaps on offense. What does it look like if USC is able to start having some success on the run game, especially early on against Tennessee? And Tennessee has to commit an additional body in the box. Could free up a lot of space out there for for Rattler. I'll say that. Carolina Titans says, it's sad to say, but don't be surprised, Juju transfer. I, look, I think, and I'm, I'm not trying to pick on you, Carolina Titan. Can we just get through the season? Can we get through the season before saying this person's going to enter the portal and that person's entering the portal? I mean, we had to do this song and dance with the carry-on joiner for how many how many years it feels like. People don't know what these players are going through. You don't know if a player is happy or not. And there's going to be so many changes in the offseason, too, to certain positions. So, you know, I I think it's it's really premature, especially after four weeks in, to, to deal with any of that stuff. Justin Thomas says, we need to take the air out of Neyland. Yeah, look, it, it has been one of those things. We talk about the success that South Carolina has had when they run the football over 100 yards during the Shane Beamer era. Another stat that you can throw in there is just the success USC has had when they go out there and they score first, right? When they are able to play with a lead, South Carolina has just totally looked like a different team during the Beamer era. That's not to say if they fall behind, it's impossible for them to come back because they've come back at times. But they are a team that when they do have that lead early, they've been able to make a lot of teams pay. Craig says, need AB back 109% this week. I'm assuming 100%, but, I mean, we'll take 109% too. Josh says, do you know what's going on with Juju? He's still valuable if used right. I think a lot of it has to do with just, and we've talked about this before with the first couple weeks of the season, with the way that South Carolina was not protecting Rattler, especially after that first game, and you have to be able to make some adjustments on the fly. You don't have a bye week, right? And it's not like you're playing TikTok Tech. Yeah, you had to play Furman. But Furman is not like you're playing some of these other FCS schools in years past. So, or even lower FBS schools. So being able to make an adjustment on the fly, the biggest thing was, okay, what can we do? Well, Mario's still coming along. And again, I'm talking in past tense here. I'm talking about what South Carolina did following that North Carolina loss. Well, Mario's still coming along. The offensive line, they're not in sync quite yet. 
we're trying to still figure out who our five are going to be. So why not put to carry on Joiner out there and have him mainly make a difference in the blocking game in pass pro with his pass protection. So I think because of that, that is one of the other reasons why we've seen DK out there as much as we did early on and why the run game, I don't want to say it was abandoned because second game of the season, they were able to have success running for over a hundred yards. But you look at that Georgia game at that point, you need to figure out, okay, what, what can we do just to give ourselves a chance? And what they did in the first half, I think it further proved that, that, okay, running game, it's not there yet. But at the same time, too, we can put DK out there and he can help in the passing game. So that's not to say Juju's not a good pass blocker because we've, we've heard compliments. We've heard compliments from the coaching staff about him and what he's done from a pass blocking standpoint and how he's improved since freshman year. But again, and it goes back to what I've talked about before, we've talked about Mario and DK in the past, because of the passing protection that he gives you from a pass pro standpoint as a running back, having DK out there, the coaches just felt more comfortable. So I think that plays a role with it. And the other thing too is when you have Mario coming along the way that he has, I don't want to say, okay, he's leapfrogged this person, leapfrogged that person, but it's clear that this coaching staff likes what Mario Anderson has been doing. And we had a chance to see that the other night. So I think the question now becomes, where does Juju factor into all that? I do think it also comes down to what the game plan is each week. And we could see, we could see Juju perhaps get out there a little bit more this weekend. We could. We don't know what the game plan is quite yet. South Carolina likes to keep a lot of that stuff close to the vest, and rightfully so. But with them, when it comes to their running backs, just like their wide receivers, at least what I've learned over the last couple of years, you can't assume anything. You can't assume anything. So I think we will see Juju get into the swing of thing at running back at some point. The question now becomes, is it going to be this weekend? Gamecock Ryan says, good afternoon, all. BCP 5296D says, we need Xavier to get in motion and get out of those double teams, get him to the weak side. Also, we need to bring that running game for the Mississippi State game. If we can do that, I think we have a shot. Yeah, to piggyback off for what we were saying a little bit earlier, the big thing is if they're able to get the run game going, it's going to create a lot of matchups that are favorable for South Carolina. Because again, at that point, there's more passing lanes for Rattler. And if Mississippi State wants to bring an extra guy down in the box, whether it be a linebacker, whether it be a safety, all that's going to do is it's going to create more one-on-one matchups. And even if Xavier does get double teamed, regardless of what side you have him on, the strong or the weak side, boundary side or the field side, it's going to create some one-on-one matchups on the other side of it. So look, The thing is, as the season goes on and we start to figure out, okay, who are the stars in this team? And we had an idea going into the season that was going to be Spencer Rattler, no question about it. But because Juice has been down, Xavier Leggett has really took that torch and he's gone to a whole different level. As great as that is, as we all know, as the season continues to play out, and we'll see it this week, and especially after with what we saw this past week against Mississippi State, 
teams are going to start to game plan and strategize around Xavier a little bit. And that's okay. I mean, it have every team in the country does that for someone, but especially a player that's playing on that level. So that's not to say Xavier is not going to go out there and still have an opportunity to catch six, seven passes for, you know, 100 plus yards and all that. Obviously, it's great if he's able to continue to do that, but you need the other guys, especially the ones that are going to be in one on one matchups. Now, if Xavier's in a one on one matchup, I know uh, Rattler's been very smart when it comes to the football, but I'm not going to be shocked to see him taking some shots downfield, those 50 50 jump balls, because honestly, the way that it's been, it's more like 70 30. I mean, I wasn't great when it came to percentages, but that's where I'd put it. When there's a jump ball to X down the field, I say it's about 70-30 that he's going to come down with it, even up against some of the better defensive backs in the country. And the reason why I say that is when you look at his size, when you look at his speed, when you look at his strength, when you look at his hands, he's been able to prove that. He's been able to prove that. Now, Georgia, they're secondary, very good. And the conditions, both teams had to deal with it a little bit wet, but still with what Xavier was able to show you, he shows you what he's capable of doing. It was not one of those games where it was the Xavier in comparison to like the Mississippi State game, right? I mean, he had seven catches for 71 yards, still very good. But I say that because he was going up against probably one of the better secondaries that he's going to see all season. Going through the comments. Keaton says, do you think Joe Milton's mobility is a concern? Well, it all comes down to how healthy he's feeling, right? I mean, if he's banged up a little bit, is Joe Milton going to be the same Joe Milton, right? And it's tough to compare it. When I, when I use this analogy, it's not true apples to apples because we understand how severe the injury was. But when you think about Luke Doty's situation a couple of years ago when he injured his foot, when Luke played against Georgia, now granted, he was playing against a very good defense that year. But when Luke came back and he was out there, and again, this is a more severe injury, he wasn't able to be that running threat that we knew him to be before getting hurt. And obviously that led him to having to get surgery in a season ending earlier during the Zeb Nolan year. But I bring that up because if Joe's not 100% and he's not able to make those same cuts because of the injury that he's dealing with, what kind of a threat will he be in terms of his mobility? I still think he can be a threat, but I don't think it will be that same level. Um, does that mean there'll be, there'll be less RPOs? That's one thing. Read options, all that kind of stuff. Tennessee might have to scale back their playbook a little bit because of what Milton's dealing with. Again, we don't know what the severity is. We know that there's something that he's been dealing with with that leg, with that knee. But we don't know how much of an impact it will have on him in this game this weekend. At least not right now. Craig goes, honestly, he needs to go to a lower level. Oh, he's talking about Juju. I'm not going to get into any of that. Not doing that right now. We're not talking about guys transferring out. Sorry. Not doing that week five. Uh, David says, how impactful will it be if Tennessee's starting center is still out for the game this weekend? Uh, I haven't really paid attention to their full lineup in terms of who's in, who's out. If that is the case, though, David, if, again, and I really haven't put too much thought into that whatsoever, um, if that is the case, 
it always plays a role when your starting center is not out there. But I'm assuming Tennessee, they have a guy or two, just like South Carolina's backup plan is Nick Gargiulo, that they'd be able to you know move some guys around. Uh, Mitchell Reed says, as Coach Beamer said, this game is going to come down to players making plays. Rattler is going to play. Xavier, Let, uh, Xavier Leggett is going to play. Who else is going to step up to make a difference? Well, I think with a game like this from an offensive standpoint, I keep looking at the running back position, and I, it's real easy to say Mario Anderson, but it's just not Mario. It can be DK. It could be Juju if Juju gets an opportunity out there, even though I feel like it will really be between Mario and, and DK. That running back room as a whole, they need to continue to – produce the way that they did last weekend because it just opens up the rest of the playbook. It opens up the passing lanes for Rattler. It opens up the one-on-one opportunities that Rattler will want to take advantage of. As JD messages me, we'll get him on shortly. Make sure that he, um, Got that email. Again, J.D. Bakel. Vaughn 3 will be joining us shortly. Talk about this weekend's matchup. He'll be there. He will be there this weekend. But I also think, too, I think Thomas said says it. Need breakout games from A.B., um, Omega Blake, or Eddie Lewis. I really think, and I've been pushing for it, and I hope that this can be the week. I hope it can be the week. I feel like Marion Brown is just on the verge of being able to have that breakout game. And the more that we see Xavier Leggett have the type of performances that he's had, and if the running game can continue to have the success that it had against Mississippi State, those one-on-one matchups on the backside become more favorable for a guy like A.B. Because when you take into consideration his speed, as well as his ability to not just run vertical routes, but he's also someone that can run sideline to sideline. And I really think the crossing routes, we're seeing more of it. I mean, even Xavier Leggett, you think back to last week, first touchdown, he comes across from the left side. It was a shallow crossing route. He catches it, and then he turns upfield, and he goes, what? It was like, what, 20, 22 miles per hour? 22.3 is what they clocked him at. If you're able to have A.B., on the outside and you have AB, excuse me, Xavier on the outside, you have AB on the inside. It can really create some favorable matchups for him. BCP says need to make Mario our main bell cow running back. He deserves it. I think we're going to continue to see him. And I know some people didn't catch the interview earlier this week, but we had Carlin's Patel on. And obviously Carlin's when he was at South Carolina, he played defensive back. But similar to Mario, he transferred in from a Division II school. It took him around that third game, fourth game mark, he said the other night, until things started to really pick up for him. And he started to see things clearer at this level in the SEC. And the speed started to really slow down for him. And then at that point, he started the last six, seven games at nickel. So I think, again, we've touched, we've touched on this before with Mario. And Mario mentioned it a couple weeks ago. The fact that he was making that jump from Division Two to the SEC, from a mental standpoint, he still needed to grow. 
He still needed to grow. He still needed to be able to get the game to slow down for him a little bit. Shane Beamer mentioned it the other the other day on Tuesday, saying from just a blocking standpoint, Mario has improved because before pressure's coming and you're looking left, right, left, right, and you got to figure out where that pressure's coming from and pick it up. In Division Two, and I never played running back; I only played defensive back. But in Division Two, when that pressure's coming, and JD can say it a hell of a lot better than I can, when Mario deal with that at the Division Two level. You might only have one stud defensive end. You might only have one stud offensive line, I mean, excuse me, outside linebacker that's coming. So from a pass protection standpoint for Mario, it might not have been the same by any means in comparison to the SEC. So I think just the extra reps in practice, being able to go out there against Georgia a little bit, even though he only had two touches, he was able to get more experience with that game speed, which has helped him with his pass protection. What's going on, JD? How we doing, my man? big one this week we're doing good talking some some pass protection from a running back standpoint you know a thing or two about that love it man i I used to i don't know if i do anymore i definitely didn't know about it in the sec uh but chop blocking never a bad way to go you go and cut and you just bring the arm through good way to go man good way good way to preserve the body a little bit so we've been all over the map here i know that you'll be at the game this weekend just anything that stands out to you anything that just jumps off the map for you when you look at this matchup yeah man i think from a south carolina side of things the the personal edge that i think tennessee is going to have is going to be a a factor because i mean make no mistake about it like south carolina spoiled tennessee's college football playoff hopes last year and and quite frankly embarrassed them defensively like we kind of knew tennessee had issues defensively last year but it was never more evident than when spencer rattler is putting up road to glory numbers against them in Willie B, in, in Willie B, that is. So, I mean, as a whole, man, I think that's got to be a factor with the edge I expect Tennessee to have. And then from a gameplay standpoint, I'm sure you all have touched on it a fair amount on this show already, but like the balance that South Carolina was able to have against Mississippi State with Mario Anderson being able to have a, a solid day running the football to kind of take some pressure off Spencer Rattler, like I really do believe that the good vibes tour here for Spencer Rattler is going to continue in Knoxville. Um, and, and if they end up losing this football game, I don't think it's because Spencer Rattler had a, had a bad day at the office. I think it's just a matter of, okay, were there enough timely plays made by us offensively to uh, to get it done? But no, man, I'm, I'm super stoked. Should be an electric atmosphere. And I know it means a lot to both teams, both fan bases. So has all the makings of a, a great Saturday night in Knoxville, Tennessee. Xavier Leggett has come on the scene even going back to last season i remember talking to him about it during preseason saying xavier look you had a couple drops early in the year last year but i felt like that kickoff return for a touchdown against texas a&m really gave you a spark and was a boost to your confidence he trained in the offseason with debo samuel he's come out here he looks like a freaking horse with just the way he's built now and the way he's running too i think he got clocked at 22.3 the other night on that first touchdown I bring that up, though, because, as you know, naturally, fan bases want to see their local guys get a lot of attention. Where do you think Xavier is in terms of the national attention after being now through four weeks the leading receiver in the country? And do you feel like he is starting to get more respect or will get more respect if he's able to go out there and have another great game against Tennessee this weekend? Yeah, man, I think you said it perfectly. Like, he's done so much, but it's been, I think, maybe muted by just the nature of games that South Carolina's played so far. Like, if South Carolina's top 10 in the country and they're undefeated, like, maybe there's a little bit more shine coming his way. But, um, 
there's still those big names like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Keon Coleman and the spots they've been able to thrive in. So I think the the star power in terms of the game South Carolina's played in hasn't reached a pinnacle just yet. But I mean, if you wanted to drop a spot where you go for over 100 yards, a couple of touchdowns, like a night game in Neyland where Tennessee's wearing the dark jerseys, and this is kind of a statement opportunity for South Carolina, like I think this has all the makings of a stage for the people that aren't already on Xavier Leggett notice to be put on notice and uh, I mean I didn't even know that he was the leading receiver in the country that is wild that is wild that's unbelievable and a lot of that should be credit to Spencer Rattler unreal 556 yards JD unreal unreal I mean good for him and I mean credit to that staff for having him ready because Juice Wells goes down if if you told me early in the year that that Juice (laughs) Wells wasn't going to be available for the most part for most of the Georgia game and the Mississippi State game I'm like man I don't know how that offense generates generates points if they're having trouble running the football and there's no juice well so credit him and credit dial Loggins for finding ways to get him involved so south carolina last week they finally were able to get some tackles for a loss i mean that was something that we talked about just the disruption they were ranked second to last in the country before the mississippi state game they nearly matched that they had nine tackles for a loss four sacks they did a lot of good things in terms of eliminating Mississippi State's run game, making them one-dimensional. And unfortunately, though, on the back end, you give up five, six big plays in the secondary. I say that because Tennessee, from what you've seen from them so far, J.D., they're a team that is fairly balanced when it comes to their pass run, but they're really, really strong when it comes to the rushing attack. If Tennessee's able to have success this weekend, where does it come from? I mean, is it a combination of just – some play action with Joe Milton. We know that he's a little bit banged up right now. Or are they a team that can just go down there and run the ball down your throat if they're able to have that success? I think a lot of it, too, depends on the health of the offensive line. I haven't heard anything new when it comes to to Cooper Mays and his status, but obviously if he plays for Tennessee up front, that would be massive in what they want to do running the football. I mean, I think if there's a matchup for Tennessee, like if you're looking at the tape from the Mississippi State game, you know, during the week, you're like, okay, Mississippi State, you know, they got a good quarterback in Will Rogers. Is is Tulu Griffin substantially better than what we have on our roster and in our, our wide receiver room? Like, probably not. So I think you got to probably attack that and say, okay, make them prove in terms of make that South Carolina defense prove that they have patched those holes from a week ago. And I don't know that it's it's so much a a personnel detriment on the South Carolina side of things. Like, I think you got some good players, and there were just some, quite frankly, some coverage busts and some things that Mississippi yep. State did well. Uh, but from Tennessee, like, that's that's the matchup I'm really testing because of what South Carolina showed, and then honestly because of what you have in that wide receiver room. Like, Dante Thornton's a guy that we talked a ton about when he transferred from Oregon. Tons of ability. Um, Brew McCool, you know what you're getting with him. Squirrel White. So all those things paired together, I feel like they can win there. But can Joe Milton consistently deliver the football? Like, that's that's the big question that we've had, I mean, since media days. Mike, since I see media days, we're asking, can he put touch on the football and hit the intermediate throws? And so all those things kind of pair together to where I think there's going to be a lot of pressure for this to be that game for, for Tennessee to be able to hit in the past game. Because if it's not now, like, hey, when, when's it going to happen for the Vols? Do you think it's fair to say, because when I look at this matchup, a lot of the things that I'm saying as far as what South Carolina probably needs, I look at it from a flip side. It's very similar. What I mean by that is with what we saw last week with South Carolina, being able to run the football. Well, what happens when you run the football? Teams are going to respect you more, right? They're going to bring a safety down. They're going to bring a linebacker down the box, and that's going to free up some passing lanes. And we saw that last week against Mississippi State and what Spencer Rattler was able to do through the year. Is it a fair assessment to say 
that based on what South Carolina did last week, and they had success with stopping the run, they're going to probably have to do that again this weekend, but they have to win their one-on-one matchups in the back end when it comes to their defensive backs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other part of that, too, is Tennessee, a team that I'm sure South Carolina fans are familiar with this, uh, they're going to try and dial up some pressure. They're, they're going to try and bring a little bit of juice. And what that does, and you know this, Mike, what that does on the outside is, okay, well, if we got pressure, we maybe have to win a little bit sooner. Maybe we have to get off that man-to-man coverage mm-hmm. and create separation earlier in the play. And we, we saw that last year to the tune of 63 points. Like, I mean, that was really the, the end-all, be-all, the trump card for South Carolina in that game last year was you had – Juice Wells winning right away and Spencer Rattler IDing it and, and getting it out to the playmakers in space and, and letting them cook a little bit. So I think it'll kind of be a similar narrative. I think the, the front seven of Tennessee, I would still test them and make them prove that they have fixed those tackling issues they had against Florida. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it does come down to can you keep pace and, and can you have those explosive plays uh, if Tennessee forces the issue. South Carolina, when it comes to the strength of schedule already for the first four games, and again, I mean, it's the SEC, but especially when you go out there and you schedule North Carolina week one, they've been extremely battle-tested early on in the season. For Tennessee, their only real true matchup, I'd say, is that Florida game, and they had their struggles against the Gators. Where are you right now when it comes to Tennessee? Because obviously they've changed a lot in comparison to where they were last year. You have no Jalen Hyatt, which a lot of South Carolina people know from his days here in the in Dutch Fork in the local area. But this is it just seems like a different team. How how high are you are right uh, how high are you on Tennessee right now? What do you want to see a little bit more of? And is this just the good time for South Carolina to play? I'm just kind of like with Georgia a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Georgia really hadn't played anyone for the first two weeks. In what we saw in that first half, South Carolina had a phenomenal game plan. They caught them off guard a little bit. They just weren't able to play a full 60 minutes in that game. And obviously the Bulldogs ran away with it in the end. It's such a different spot for South Carolina, too. I mean, last year, everyone after the Florida game kind of left them for dead. And then South Carolina went and did what they did against Tennessee. So uh, to answer your question, I think I'm, I, I've kind of been in wait-and-see mode for Tennessee. Expected them to beat Florida. They didn't. Joe Milton didn't look great. They weren't able to have any versatility when it came to what they did offensively couldn't tackle and so it really does go back to me for for this game like if if you're Joe Milton and you're going to live up to the expectations of what we've all heaped on you because you got the tools and there's the offense and there's what Tennessee did last year in the Orange Bowl game and if you're going to be that guy I think this has to be the spot to do it like I don't think it's a thing where okay we'll figure it out in in week eight like I think if there's a spot for you to do it it's night game defense that's coming off a tough Quite, quite frankly, tough day at the office in the secondary. You know, you got the dark jerseys. Like, all these things are, are marrying together to where it's like, all right, this is kind of the game now for Tennessee where I think we find out what they are. I don't know if we, we define them from this game and say, well, Tennessee is going to be a seven-win football team or a six-win football team after this football game. Um, but I think we do get a really good gauge for, okay, how good can they be and, and where's their ceiling. And uh, so for, for South Carolina, on the flip side of that, kind of what yep. we talked about, the uh, – as a whole, like getting them at the right time, I think this is absolutely the right time. I mean, if, if Tennessee goes out and, and has a, a solid couple of games stretch here and you play them in November and they're kind of rolling a little bit, like it really feels like Tennessee still hasn't found their footing yet. Even against Virginia, they didn't look amazing in the early going. Um, and so I think this is a kind of the time where if you're South Carolina, this is your chance to go for back-to-back. And uh, I can't wait to see it. I'm excited. I know Shane Beamer will have them ready, so I'm, I'm fired up for it. Well, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, and it goes back 
even before Beamer was here. It goes back during the Muschamp era, but we'll only just talk about the Shane Beamer era. As far as SEC way games go, for whatever reason, they've really struggled. South Carolina, that is. They're 3-7 and seven on the road under Beamer in the SEC. Two of those wins were against Vanderbilt. The other one was Kentucky last, uh, last year. You have this game. Then you head into the bye week. You got Florida on the uh, on the uh, opposite side of that when you come back home after the bye. What would a win for South Carolina mean, you think, in the eyes of just the national national perspective? Because, again, everyone saw what took place in that North Carolina game. I know we talked about that game heading into that week, and there was a lot of unknowns, I mean, as there always is when you're going into week one. And certainly the blind spots for South Carolina – they were a little bit bigger maybe than they anticipated, starting with the offensive line. But they've been able to clean up a lot of things. And the fact that they've been able to do that in such a short period of time, I can only imagine what a statement win in Neyland Stadium would mean in terms of just the perspective from a national media standpoint. And Mike, I hate to be cliche on here, man, but it, it feels right. like it would be it, it would be like an identity kind of thing. Like every single year it seems like people sell South Carolina a little bit short. Vegas has been off on their win total the last two years. And so for, for them to go to Neyland Stadium in that kind of environment, double-digit underdog, if they were to go in there and do, I don't know exactly what they did last year where they scored 60 points, but if you just get a win in that setting, I think it would be a thing where you kind of plant your flag and say, okay, this is who we are under Shane Beamer. It may not make sense on paper. It may not make sense in the box score, but this is a team that consistently will find a way to win regardless of roster, regardless of matchup. Like we find a way, whether it's on the road, whether it's at home, like you just can never count this South Carolina team out. And I think they kind of started that trend at the end of last year with those back-to-back top 10 wins. And I think planting the flag in Neyland Stadium for South Carolina would go a long way in just establishing, okay, this is what the Beamer era is. This is who we're going to be. This is kind of where the floor is going to sit here for the foreseeable future. I'm going to bring up one question. I'm going to go to you um, after, but just to answer this question, is Mario a senior? No, Mario actually has another year of eligibility. Redshirted in 2019 at Newberry. COVID season was 2020. Then he played in 2021, 2022 at Newberry. Comes in at South Carolina, 23. He would have one more year of eligibility after this season. Allen goes, and I know you're going. I've never been to Neyland. I had a chance to go to Sanford Stadium a couple weeks ago when South Carolina played Georgia. Have you ever been to Neyland before? I have not been to Neyland or Sanford. Not not for a game, at least. So I'm excited to get a, get a taste here. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Sanford. Sanford was awesome. Uh, I know a lot of Gamecock fans don't want to hear that, but, I mean, it was an awesome environment. It's probably one of the better environments in the SEC. Um, I can only imagine what that place is like at night. I mean, if you've never been to Williams-Brice, by the way, and some people, and it brings yeah. up uh, someone, Keaton said, J.D., when are you making a trip to Willie B for a game? The night games, it. At, well, it feels like every freaking game now is a night game, and I know fans won't hate that because it gives them plenty of time to lube up during the day, but – yeah, night games at Williams-Brice Stadium, they are on a, a different level. But I can only imagine with Neyland. So kind of going back and forth here. Let me bring this up first, then we'll get back to Williams-Brice. I think with Neyland, I mean, more people are able to go in there. Um, I think it's going to be a hostile environment, as we've seen in recent years, whether it be a mustard bottle or golf ball or whatever. Um, I'm sure they're going to make that place rowdy. Again, the Georgia student section, that place was awesome. Uh, it was a day game, though. Plus, and I know Georgia fans probably won't agree with this, but it's just the reality when you're always winning, you're not going to 
you know, a game like that, you're not going to take it as serious, I think. I think some people sure. snuck up on them a little bit. So I think Neyland Stadium will be a little bit more rowdier. Having said all that, when are you coming out to williams Bryce Stadium? Need to make it happen, man. Need to make it happen. I have to look at what we have the rest of the way on the on the docket, but it was absolutely like even going into the season when it was like, hey, we'd love to get to a few games this college football season. Like awesome. Willie B is is up there near the top of the list. So gonna make it happen. Win TBD, but have heard uh, have heard legends of what goes down at Willie B at night, and I would uh, would love to experience it firsthand, man. No question. No, it's it's a it's a great place. There's no question about that. Uh, what else? Let's see what we have here. Ryan says, there is there a huge uh, personnel difference with Tennessee's defense versus last year? I don't know. I mean, I really haven't paid attention in terms of the personnel. I don't know if you'd be able to answer it, J.D., just looking at it from a statistical standpoint. I know they had their issues in the secondary last year. Mm-hmm. They're doing a little bit better right now, at least on paper. But then again, the competition that they've played, you don't know how much is that – indicative of what they've been able to do in terms of improving from last year to this year and how much that has to do with the talent they have. I don't want to take anything away from them. It's just tough to know which one is more of the of the case. Fair. I'm trying to find their returning production here on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I feel like, if my memory serves me correctly, majority of the same cast of characters on the back end are back. Um, and I don't think they went super heavy in the portal either on the defensive side. They took some pieces. They got some guys. Um, for the most part, though, it's going to be a, a pretty similar approach or a pretty similar bunch, rather, that was there last year in, in Willie B. So can't imagine it's the same schematic approach. I would, ha- I would ha- have to think they're going to be a little bit more versatile and switch things up from what just got them toasted last year. But, uh, yeah, I think I think it's for the most part a lot of the same guys. The comments, I always love. This is what I love about SEC football. It doesn't matter what stadium we go into, you know. Um, I just love, love it. it. Actually, do you remember the video? It came out like 15 years ago. It just popped up on my my YouTube the other day. It was the Alabama fan talking about why he hates Tennessee. And he's just like, you know, the orange, it looks like a uh, – um, a garbage man convention and he's like I, it's, it's the, they have that orange just like that puke orange like inside a pumpkin and I hate pumpkins and I hate dogs and not sure if you saw that but every time I, I think about it that's good though you gotta see that one that's a good one uh, Spencer Rattler I mean again he's playing on a totally different level we've seen the impact he's had with Xavier Leggett and obviously Leggett deserves a lot of credit when you envisioned what this season would look like for him at least through the first third of the season four games in how has he played in comparison to what you maybe envisioned I mean he surpassed it and then some and then I think the thing going into it too was okay well Spencer Rattler's going to get the blame he's going to get the praise either way but my whole thing going into the year was like hey don't blame Spencer Rattler if everything rides on Spencer Rattler every, every single Saturday. Meaning, like, if there's no run game for him, if there's no run stoppage for him defensively, like, let's all kind of hold our opinions of Spencer Rattler a little bit more loosely. And then to go into this season and to not really have a run game early and to not have the defense really hold up there into the bargain like maybe you would have hoped they would when the season started. And to see and to still see Spencer Rattler just absolutely deal the pill. I mean, it's it's been nothing short of phenomenal, and you feel so happy for him because of how much scrutiny he's had throughout the entirety of his career especially when he transferred from Oklahoma and I mean his his lowest passing yards output was against Georgia where he threw for like 256 
And even then, he played better than I think the box score would indicate. So Spencer Rattler, in terms of my expectations, has far exceeded. And the circumstances in which he's had to exceed those expectations uh, has been nothing short of extremely impressive. With two true freshmen on the offensive line to boot playing in their first road game. Not bad. Not bad. Question for you from Trey. It says, for J.D., how does he stack up? I'm assuming he's talking about Rattler. How does he stack up with the rest of the QBs that are being ranked in the top 10? Why do you, uh, Why do QBs that have less stats rank higher? Do you believe in name brand bias? You know, I'd be curious to see which uh, which rankings are being referred to. I think it, from There's what so I, many I can out there glean these from days, that question. You never know. Sure. So, so many. That's a, that's a great point. Uh, to be honest, I think Spencer Rattler, and this might be a little bit of a, of a hotter take, which I try and stay away from, but I think there is just like some brand bias and some reputation bias around Spencer Rattler because a lot of people can't forget him getting benched Oklahoma. Like some people, that is the snapshot in their mind that will forever be the opinion they have of Spencer Rattler until he goes and, you know, does X, Y, and Z thing to, to debunk that. But those that have been paying attention to college football, those that actually sit down on Saturdays and watch the games, understand those are two very different quarterbacks, two very different situations, two very different stages in life. And so I think, to be honest with you, I would have to imagine that the the rankings bias probably does factor in for a guy like Spencer Rattler because you know there there's so much kickback that comes from putting him in the top five or putting him within the top ten because people just go to the well he couldn't cut it at Oklahoma well he couldn't do this couldn't do that and so um, I think once he debunks that as he gets further and further into the season there will be maybe a little bit more uh, rankings love for him but yeah everybody seems to have a ranking these days when it comes to the quarterback <laughs> position but uh, it's hard to make a case against what Spencer Rattler's done to this point in the year. Well, there's another question, too. And, you know, again, people are very proud with what Rattler has been doing over here. And it has been it impressive. Be, yeah. I don't want to downplay that. It has been very impressive. But uh, Cocky Joe says, what will it take for Rattler to get into Heisman talks over here? I love it. Heisman chatter. I love it, man. Let's roll. Nothing like a little uh, little Heisman combo late September to get the juices flowing, baby. Uh I think we might have actually had this question the other day on our show as well. And I think for me, the concern with that is the Heisman, even though it's you know given to the best player in the country, it's like it's given to the best player on the best team. And where South Carolina is right now, they would probably have to win out. Um, and so I think for, for South Carolina, like being in that conversation of the SEC title race or college football playoff race is probably what it would take in my mind. Like if you were to stack up the quarterbacks – Spencer Rattler's probably in that conversation from just purely individual performance. Uh, but just with the nature of the Heisman, I think it, it probably would take a little bit more from the South Carolina team to get him into that conversation. And we talked about this, Trey. I want to bring this up. I think we both understood that you weren't saying that at JD, but oh, yeah. appreciate no you worries, saying Trey. that. I don't think either of us thought that. No, but, good um, man. But JD, we'll, we'll wrap things up shortly because I appreciate your time. Always. But we talked about this even week one. That maybe subliminal, sub, I can never say that friggin' word. Subliminally, whatever. You friggin', you were the Ivy League. You went to friggin' no, court. No, you say <laughs> <laughs> that, that maybe <laughs> people are going to give me a, such a friggin' hard time because I can't say that damn word. But maybe the fact that Rattler, having seen Caleb Williams go out there and win the Heisman, and everyone's kind of like, well, you know, Caleb Williams, and I'm bringing this up from Carolina Titan because it made me think about this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he goes out there, he wins the Heisman, and everyone would be like, well, you know what, Rattler's not good anymore. No, no, that's not the case. The fact is, the guy that took his job was really freaking good to a point where a couple years later, he wins the Heisman. 
So I bring that up, and we talked about this again heading into week one, that Rattler, perhaps there was a weight lifted off his chest, and he'll probably never say it. He'll probably never say it. He'll probably never say the fact that, oh, yeah, you know, because what point is there for him to say that? Mm-hmm. But in the back of his head, perhaps, perhaps he feels like there's that weight that's been lifted off his chest a little bit because, again, he's a good quarterback. It's just that the guy that was playing alongside him, when you play at really good schools, like Oklahoma was during that time period, not saying they're not anymore, but sure, when you bring in another good quarterback, sometimes another guy's going to take your job, especially when you knew this guy was a stud coming out of high school, that being Caleb Williams. And the fact that it was so public, like it was during the Texas game where he gets benched and then Caleb Williams does his thing. And then we have the whole deal where Spencer Rattler preseason was supposed to be, you know, a number one pick or was supposed to be this and supposed to be that. So I think just like the expectations that the media put on him, fair or unfair, paired with the public nature of the benching, just kind of the whole thing just kind of mixed together for a perfect storm that, that didn't you know necessarily give Spencer Rattler a ton of extra juice. So as a whole, though, I think what you're saying is right. Like short of, I don't know, Drake May, short of like, I don't know who else you want to put into that conversation, but like Caleb Williams has probably taken every single quarterback's job in college football if he's number two leading into the season. So I think that's the reality. And I think I think it's a tremendous point that it, you would hope, you would hope it would provide some relief for, for the, the mental side of that whole equation for Spencer Rattler and for just the fan bases as a whole. All right, let's try this again. Subliminally, boom, nailed it. Only nailed took me freaking like nailed five it. times. I can't really say Bobby Petrino. Like saying Bobby, my like, like saying that the double B is just tricky for me. I'll say Bobby. Like it kind of, it just doesn't, it doesn't come out right. See, all everyone the time, has so everyone has that word fans, or man. phrase that they can't say smoothly. It doesn't come off the tongue for whatever reason. I mean, subliminally, there we go. Now I'm on fire. You know, I could say Tua Tonga Vailoa, I could say all these other friggin' names, but I can't Ooh, say Ooh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah JD, before, you, before I let you get going, before I let you get going, because, again, I appreciate you hopping on with us. I'm trying to think if there was always, always man. one more. Um, we've talked about, obviously, with what Xavier Leggett has been doing, and I, I brought this up before that based on if he wants to, Juice Wells has the ability to come back next season, and that's – including if he were to come out here and play more than four games. It doesn't mean he has the medical red shirt because he was in prep school back in 2019. I know that you're not necessarily, uh, and I don't want to downplay it, by, by saying you're not a draft expert or an agent or sure, anything no, like yeah. that. I'll be the first to say, yeah. But in your mind, if Juice continues to be out over the next couple of weeks, obviously he's going to be out again this week. He'll have the ability to rest up during the bye week. And the way Beamer is saying things right now it makes you believe that we will see juice at some point this year if juice does come back later in the year if you're him do you think it's in your best interest when you're talking about the nfl and i know gamecock fans would be fired up if he's back do you think it's one of those things that you do got to give a hard look at in terms of coming back for the 2024 season I think, like you said, a lot of it depends on draft stock. Like, if I have a chance to be a, a top three round guy, I think it'd be really hard and, and good conscious to to not go to the league. I think the bigger part of it, too, is like, hey, who's playing quarterback? Because Spencer Rattler being my guy, I know that I have somebody that can consistently deliver me. The football is going to be looking for me. We have chemistry. Like, all those things are built to where when you come back, even if a guy is 
looking good in shorts and a t-shirt throwing the football to you and routes on air seven on seven like that's just a very very big variable and a very big if that I need to feel confident that my draft stock is going to improve playing with whoever it is that ends up being the guy next year for South Carolina so as of right now it's not gonna be popular I'd probably lean towards the NFL if I'm Juice Wells We'll see. We'll see if Juice is back. We'll see if Juice is yeah. in the NFL. We'll see if Juice is back this year. How about that? How about yeah. baby steps, right? People would like to I see him and X line up against each other or line up across from each other. JD, you'll be heading to Neyland Stadium. Remind people where they can listen to your material, though, because I'm sure you'll have plenty of thoughts from this South Carolina-Tennessee game after this weekend. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I mean, any, any way you want to consume content, you can find the hard count if you want to Find it on the On3 YouTube channel, or if you're more of a podcast person, we're on both Apple and Spotify. So wherever you consume your content, if you type in the hard count with J.D. Pacquiao, I promise we'll pop up. But no, man, I'm excited to see a lot of uh, Gamecock Nation out there. And I know a lot of y'all from Gamecock Central will be there too, Mike. So I'm juiced up and be a lot of fun, man. It should be a great game. All right. There's one name someone said that they struggle to say. Can you read that? I know how to say it, but I want to see if you know how to give it a shot. It's an offensive lineman for the Gamecocks. Oluwatosin. Babalade. Yep, Aluatosin uh, Babalade. They call him Big okay. Tree. There you go. Okay. Look there at we you. Are. Hey, there we go. Every now again, and then, man. Ivy you know Leaguer. That's what it is. Ivy Leaguer. <laughs> it's a lot of credit. I don't know if I'm deserving that, but yeah, we'll take it. There we go. Well, I'll, I'll again, be one to commit to the memory bank. Again, JD Bacal, appreciate you hopping on. Check him out. The hard count on on three. He'll be out there at Neyland Stadium. So if you're heading out that way and you see him, go yell at him. In a good way, though. Don't go tell them to go, like, you know, piss off or anything. We, 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 this is ELE. Everyone loves each other here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, wh- whatever you want to say, I'm there. So that'll be good. I'm looking forward to meet everybody. Awesome, man. Safe travels out there and enjoy the game. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for having me on, man. Anytime. We'll do it again soon. Awesome. Appreciate it. Again, J.D. Bacal hopping on with us from On3. I always like J.D. coming on with us. He's really good with his content over at On3 and – I mean, shoot, the stuff that we've been able to do since Gamecock Central made the switch on over to on three guys like J.D. and just the entire team. I mean, you guys see Jamie Shaw a lot when it comes to basketball. We've had him on a a good bit. Colin Taylor when it comes to basketball recruiting and everything like that. But there's so many talented people that we work with in our parent company at on three. So we appreciate J.D. giving us time today. We're going to wrap things up. If anyone has any final thoughts, let us know. Here's your time. Comment, question, whatever. Fire it off. You know how these shows go. A lot of these GC live shows are only about 45 minutes to an hour, but this is the people's show. This is the people's show on Thursday. We go a little bit longer because we want to be able to give you an opportunity to have your voice heard. So we appreciate everyone that has tuned in once again today. But how about that? JD was able to say a Louisosin Babalade like that. Michael Lynn says, and I'm assuming you're talking about Juice Wells saying he, saying Juice will still be at least a second rounder. I think the big thing with Juice is if he does come back and he's able to produce the numbers that we all know Juice can produce, if he's just as healthy as he can be heading into the draft, right? That's assuming if he would go this year. Now, like I mentioned earlier, and I'll say it again, I think there's a lot of questions still to be answered as far as when does Juice come back? How healthy is Juice, and would Juice want to come back next season? I've heard different, different from different uh, people. Excuse me, I've heard from different things from sources that are close to the team that he's not ruling that out. But again, 
he doesn't he's not thinking that far ahead. He's worried about being able to get back there on the field this season. So I think it'd be extremely premature to say, oh, yeah, Juice is going to come back next season or say, oh, yeah, Juice isn't going to come back because, again, he's worried about trying to just get back onto the field as quickly as he can this season, but not just getting back as quickly as he can, but getting back and being as healthy as he can so that he doesn't re-injure himself. But the fact that he has a bye week coming up after this week, you have the Florida game, of course, on the other side of that. Do we see juice as quickly as that? I, I don't know. I don't know. And when it comes to an injury like that, it's truly going to be not just, okay, juice going around, running around. It's going to be how much pain can he deal with? I still think if we see juice, it won't happen until late October. That's just the guess. That has, I have no, nothing to back that up other than the fact of when you hear what the injury is. And at the earliest of what he could be and what makes sense in terms of what's in the best interest for his future, that's where I would put it. But we keep hearing Shane Beamer come out each week and say, all right, Juice isn't playing this week. It's not, hey, yeah, Juice is out for the next month. So it's one of those things that makes me want to just pay attention a little bit closer as to, okay, why is Shane saying that? Why is Shane saying, okay, hey, this week he's out? It's not, okay, he's going to be out for a month. Just makes me wonder. Makes me wonder a little bit. Caleb says the stats for the offensive line, uh, they're not indicative of how they played the last two weeks. Most of those are coverage sacks on third and long. Don't be surprised if they push the Vols around. Leggett just got voted as a Kia's player of the month. How about that? I didn't even know that. Good stuff. Appreciate you passing that along. Shane goes, Lenore Sellers to Juice Wells does have a nice ring to it. I'll think it about next year. That would be nice. That would be nice. Um, and again, I've said this before, and he's had phenomenal. He's only had two games because they start a little bit later because it's private school ball in Connecticut. Dante Reno's had a really good start so far. And I think with Reno being here combined with Luke Doty being here, that quarterback room, obviously you're losing an extremely talented guy in Spencer Rattler. Extremely talented guy. But bringing in Reno, who's going to push Sellers. Sellers is obviously going to push Reno. Having Doty, who, again, I know some people get friggin' pissed off when I say this because they don't friggin' they don't, they don't listen to the whole thing. Listen to what I'm saying, okay? If you ask me today, Luke Doty will have the first shot at starting quarterback next year. Heading into the spring. He could have the first shot heading into even fall ball if he's back next season. The reason I say that is because if he wants to play quarterback, out of respect to Doty, they're going to give him that opportunity. It's going to be his opportunity to lose. Having said all that, if Lenoris continues to develop the way that he's developing, it's hard to not it's it's hard to imagine that he wouldn't be the guy. Okay. So again, before people start freaking getting their pitchforks and getting all upset, what I'm saying. I still think Doty's going to have the first shot just out of respect, out of courtesy to him. Happens at a lot of programs. And I think he's earned it with everything that he's gone through. But I do think it's going to be Lenore's. I do think, too, with Dante Reno, the way that he's coming in, if he's able to grow quickly, that should be an interesting dynamic. But having Doty in that quarterback room is going to be tremendous for not only Lenore's, but for Doty as well. And I no disrespect to Tanner Bailey. I know he's there as well. 
They have some really, really, really talented guys. They have some smart guys in that room. It's going to be a lot, though, to replace a guy like Spencer Rattler. But if you do have a guy like Juice Wells back, and again, we're kind of talking in hypotheticals right now, if you do have a guy like Juice Wells back next year, man, that could be exciting. Nicholas Harbor, a year in the system under his belt. Omega Blake. Tyshawn Russell, we can keep going down the list here of names. Could be fun, but let's enjoy the, the present while we're here. Carolina Titan says, outside of the Gamecock podcast, Josh and JD are legit. We appreciate that, Carolina Titan. They do a great job. They do a great job. JD, he played football at Baylor, went on over to Cornell. He finished his college career there. That's why I mentioned the uh, Cornell reference, the Ivy League, or a couple times. He has a great perspective. He's done a great job at on three. We appreciate it anytime he hops on. Trey says, JD's a good dude. Like his content. Thanks, Mike. Asking all the questions. Absolutely. Anytime we – these Thursday shows, we've really been fortunate to have some great guests on the last couple of weeks. JD today, last week we had Steven Garcia. He talked a lot about, obviously, the offense, the growth that he's seen. But we also talked about Alshon Jeffrey, which was an incredible weekend last weekend for, for him and his family. Week prior to that, Chris Doring of SEC Network came on. And then we also had JD on heading into that North Carolina game. I'm going to continue to try to get some different people. See if we get Alyssa Lang on the program. We've had her on the past shows before in years past. No, she stays busy. But I know how many people here would love to hear from Alyssa. Thomas Cox, under over 80. Hmm. I'm going to go under. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but... The other thing, too, is the way that South Carolina will probably try to run the football and knowing, too, the way that Tennessee does run the football, I think it's going to chew some of the clock up. So you're going to have less opportunities to score. So I'll take the under with that. William says over, though. God Loves Comics says, how many points will Revenge score for Tennessee? Vols fans seem to think the mystery player will put up four TDs by himself. Taylor says, Mike, when are we getting your prediction? Or have you already gave it? I think we get a win this weekend. I haven't given my prediction yet. I'm going to be honest, though, and I said this on Quick Slants today. If you haven't checked it out, head on over to Gamecock Central. I give my keys to the game. I kind of talked a little bit about it today, but I gave you much deeper reasoning for each and it's not just that but you also get all the other content when it comes to recruiting chris Wes, colin all the guys and for every sport too not just football but you can sign up for just one buck today if you haven't done that already why not one dollar for a month can't beat that or you can take advantage of the game week special 50 percent off for the year i would highly recommend doing that if you haven't already it's it's worth it it really is um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm working at on three and I'm working at Gamecock central. It's, uh, if you're a Gamecock fan, this is where to be. It truly is. And it's a little community too. If you've never been part of Gamecock central before you get a buck, sign up for a buck. All right. You might not be able to get that extra slice of cheese on your burger or whatever. If you want to make that sacrifice for one day, head on over to Gamecock central, sign up for a buck today. 
but I have not, Taylor. I have not put out my prediction yet. But again, being honest with it, the thing that scares me about this game more than anything is, is this a game where South Carolina is going to take that next step forward because they've struggled on the road against SEC teams over the last couple of years, even going back during the Will Muschamp era. And that scares me a little bit because we see progress from this team. We've seen progress. And even though Tennessee really has been battle-tested the same way that the Gamecocks have through the first four weeks of the season, I just don't know if South Carolina is going to take that next step this weekend. That's what scares me about this game. Because if they're playing the way that they played in that first half against Georgia, if they play the way that they did this past weekend against Mississippi State, despite the fact that there was probably five, six breakdowns in the secondary, if they play that way, they'll win this game. No question that they'll win this game. But which South Carolina team is going to show up this weekend? That's the only thing that scares me. Uh, Cocky Joe says he's gone next year. I think you're, oh, I don't know if you're talking about the Juice Wells or not. Craig says Spencer Rattler to Juice Wells would sound good next year. They both have another year. They do. They do. I think it's safe to say that Rattler will not be back next season. God Loves Comics says, I think Doty should transfer to Furman or even the Citadel since he keeps shaving his head so he can go out as a starting quarterback. Look, I think with NIL too, he's been able to capitalize off a lot of it, right? I mean, you look at the way that on Joyner's been able to capitalize off NIL. Does DK capitalize the same way if he would have transferred and gone to a smaller school, right? You could say the same with Luke Doty. And I again, I, I don't see Doty leaving. I think he'll be back next season. But we'll see. And I think the other school that you'd have to throw in there, if you want to talk about stuff like that, would be Coastal. Mario Anderson wants to prove something is why I said over Williams-Jones. Hey, this RNG says Carolina 38, Tennessee 27. Cocky Joe mentions juice as far as he's gone next year. We'll see. We'll see, Cocky Joe. I think there's so many what ifs still about that injury. And it's not only will he come back this season, how healthy will he be? I don't think you can rule anything out right now. I know that sounds crazy, and if you told me this a couple weeks ago, I would have said you're absolutely nuts. But from some of the conversations I've been having, it's on the table. It's on the table. God Loves Comics is 0.0 chance. We said the same thing about Spencer Rattler coming back after year one, right? He came back. Different circumstances, though. Justin Thomas says Doty can come home to Myrtle. Chance up, baby. Thomas Cox says, do the service academy schools get NIL? It's a good question. I would assume so. I don't know if there's certain things tied into their... what you're able to accept and all that kind of stuff, but we'll see. I got you, God Loves Comics. It meant Spencer and Juice together since someone suggested that. I got you. Yeah, I think that is 0.0 as well. 
Johnson Music says, who has Tennessee looked scary against this season? That's actually worth talking about. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because we really haven't talked about who Tennessee's played other than that Florida game, which they lost. They've played Virginia. They've played Austin P. They played Florida. And then they played... The Roadrunners. Of, I should already know their their name. The University of Texas, UTSA, the Roadrunners. So, to answer your question, other than Florida, they really haven't played anybody. They haven't played anybody, and I think that's the thing that, in the back of my head, I'm like, they really haven't been battle tested. They haven't. They haven't been battle tested the same way that the Gamecocks certainly have. Adis RNG says Tennessee had one sack against Florida, the rest against Virginia, Austin P, and UTSA. Their line is still unproven, if you ask me, and it's very fair. Everything you're saying is very fair. And as I mentioned on Quick Slants this week, this game to me, and it sounds like coach speech, and it sounds cliche to say, to me, this game has more so to do with the fact of what will South Carolina do, right? It has less to do about who you're playing and more so to do with the fact of what are you going to do? Because as we talked about with J.D., Bikel, if you just missed that, if anyone's just hopping on right now, J.D. Bikel of On3 hopped on, catch him on On3, the hard count. This is a great time to play Tennessee. This is a great time, similar to what we said about the Georgia game. And what we saw in that first half, South Carolina, they took them a distance. They took them a distance. And unfortunately, in the end, Georgia's just a really good team. They made some adjustments for the second half, and they were able to take advantage to be able to come back and be able to hold off being upset by the Gamecocks. But... Similarly to that, this is a game that South Carolina is going up against a team who just hasn't been battle-tested. They haven't been battle-tested. If this is, say, I don't know, October 20-whatever, right? A month from now. Is this still a matchup that South Carolina would feel better against, right? I, I think the Gamecocks will continue to get better as the season goes on, but my whole point is, where Tennessee is right now and who they've played against, they still have a lot of questions to be answered. So this is a great time to be able to play them. But again, can South Carolina be the team that they were a week ago? As RNG says, if we can shake the nerves of the environment, Carolina wins the game. I firmly believe that. Yeah, look, they go out there. And they're able to score on the opening drive. And I don't know what Shane Beamer is thinking in terms of, okay, we win the toss. Do we want to kick? Do we want to receive? You know, a lot of teams want to defer because they want to try to get that two-for-one special, right? You try to control the ball towards the end of the second quarter, and then you're also able to go out there and you start with the ball to begin the second half. I mean, that's an opportunity for a 14-point swing. So does he want to do that? Or does he want to put the defense out there first? 
we're gonna have to wait and see that. But excuse me, they put the offense out there first and score. We're gonna have to wait and see for that. Well, boys and girls, we are gonna wrap things up. It's been a fun Thursday afternoon with all of you. If you missed any of our program, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page and watch this show in its entirety. Again, JD Bakel on three, the hard count. He joined us this afternoon around. Oh, I don't know. I'd say probably 40 minutes in, in case you want to listen to that part in particular. Head on over Gamecock Central's YouTube page. Subscribe if you haven't. It's free. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network, where you can listen to this show in its entirety as well, as well as any other GC Live shows and interviews on 107.5 The Game. And if you're not a subscriber to Gamecock Central, be sure to do that as well, because why not? It's only a buck right now. Take advantage of that. And before we wrap things up, I want to thank our sponsors who have been tremendous and they're always supportive of not just GCLI but Gamecock Central. That starts with Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. If you're trying to purchase a home right now, you understand that finding the best rate is not an easy process to do right now. Those rates are absolutely insane, right? If you're trying to buy a home, you understand what I'm talking about. Give Clint a call at 803-771-6933. He can do for you what he was able to do for our very own Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth, and he can get you that best rate. He can also help you find that dream home. In addition to today's, in addition to that, today's program is also brought to you by our friends over at Liberty Tax. It's not tax season quite yet, but before you know it, it's going to sneak up on us, and you're going to want to be able to have all your numbers, your balances, all that kind of stuff in line. Well, give Liberty Tax a call today or in the near future, and they can get that stuff in line for you so that when tax season comes around, you're going to be able to overcome that tax anxiety. Give them a call at 803-462-5576 and let them know that Gamecock Central sent you. Again, appreciate everyone that tuned in today. Got this. Michael says, Mike, what are you hearing about the new rumors of Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, Virginia, gaining traction apparently? About the yes, means what you're talking about. I don't know as much about it in comparison to some of the people that have talked about it. Um, I'm never going to BS you and just say, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, I know what's been said. I know that there has been, at least with Clemson, that I can talk about um, more so about than the other schools, that there's been some traction as far as them trying to get into either the SEC or the Big Ten. Um, to be able to get out of that contract, that insane contract of the ACC, sooner rather than later, does it happen as quickly as next year? I don't know if that will be the case. I don't know if that will be the case, as some are reporting. But I know they are really pushing hard. Obviously, Florida State's doing the same. But I think right now, a lot of it is, you know, as Williams says, Florida State too. Yep. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that a lot of those schools, especially starting with Clemson and Florida State, they know that if they get stuck in the ACC, it's going to become like quicksand. And the longer that you're in there, the more that you try to fight to get out of it, it's going to be a pain in the neck. And you're only going to create more headaches for yourself. You're only going to lose more money in comparison to what some of these other schools, especially a school like your in-state rival, South Carolina, has been able to do. And I'm sure Florida State feels the same way when you're talking about a program like the University of Florida, right? So 
Um, they're they're going to put a full court press on and doing everything they can to be able to get out of those conferences and try to get into either the Big Ten or the SEC. I still, I still think it's going to be challenging for the SEC just because of how big the conference is already. You know, but that's what it's ultimately becoming now, right? It's becoming really two conferences. There's other conferences out there, but it's really becoming just two big conferences. You got the Big Ten and you got the SEC. And then you have everyone else in between. And those two conferences in particular, they're growing to a point where it feels like it's the freaking, you know, AFC and the NFC for crying out loud. Just because the TV deals are ultimately the puppet master in this all. Again, appreciate everyone that tuned in today. Carolina Calls with Shane Beamer is set to take place at Backstreet's Grill at 6 o'clock. So if anyone wants to listen to Shane on 107.5 The Game, you can do that. And be sure to follow Gamecock Central all weekend long. We'll have the GC Live postgame show immediately after the Tennessee game. Now, if we were talking about a Gamecock win, South Carolina looks to get above 500 for the first time this season as they travel to Knoxville to take on number 21 ranked Tennessee Volunteers. Everyone have yourself a good Thursday and have yourself a great weekend. We'll do it again next Thursday, but again, join us after the game on Saturday on the GC Live postgame show.